Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 7th. Today we are reading from the big book. We're on page 10, and we're in the second full paragraph, starting with that wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral. Today's readers are Devorah, Robin, Marsha, and Paula. The reference number for Monday, May 6th, is 4411. And again, that's 4411. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ruth Key to read the 12 steps, please. Hi, this is Rivki, compulsive overeater from Vienna. You hear me? Yes, we can hear you just fine. Go ahead. Great. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made a direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Thought, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to to away and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Rizky. I will now ask Anne S. to read the traditions, please. Uh, hi, good morning, uh, Anne, compulsive overeater. The Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Anne. Our our, uh, excuse me, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. When you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 10 and we are in the second full paragraph. I will ask Devorah to begin reading, please. Hi, good morning, everybody. This is Devola from New Jersey, a uh, compulsive overeater, recovering a day at a time. The wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back again. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I had always often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are. But that means blind faith in the strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists suggest vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I have little doubt that a mighty purpose and a rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? I simply had to believe in the spirit of the universe who, neither, who knew neither time nor limitation, but that was as far as I had gone. And um, so that first paragraph, the wartime day in Old Winchester Cathedral came back again, and that refers back to page one. For those of you who are just starting, on um, page one, he visited a, um, a cemetery 
in England and he caught, he saw a tombstone which caught his eye and it talks about, here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking cold small beer. A good soldier is never forgot whether he died by musket or by pot. So what brought this on? He's talking to his friend who comes to the house, um, you know, sober, uh, clean, shaven. This is his buddy who drank with him, his, his eating buddy, his drinking buddy. And, um, and he looks good. His eyes are bright and starry. He's, he is on a mission, his friends. He's excited. He wants to spread the, me the message of recovery. And here is Bill. He's, he, he's in the morning. He's thinking about how he can get his next drink. He has bottles of, of liquor around the house. His wife is away at work. And, um, and, you know, the previous pages talked about that, you know, he's, he's had it. He has to stop. He has to find a solution. He is ready for anything. And his friend is coming to him and talking to him about what he's found, um, that he is, um, that he has found a religious solution. Um, and then he goes on to say, you know, about a power greater that, that um, Bill talks about how he always believed in some kind of power greater than himself, but he never really, um, you know, he, he just left it at that. He just never really um, researched it further, let's say. Um, he says, like, how could the world have come about without this power greater than myself? It has to be. It has to be something greater. And I, that's, you know, I could relate to that because I, too, always knew that there was a, a God. I mean, just the world didn't come about from nowhere. And, um, and I believe that there, you know, but I didn't think that God was there to help me with my food. I didn't think that God can help me get my act together and put my life together um, and to get me out of this dark, dark, deep pit that I had made for myself when I was eating. And um, so he is really ready. You know, he got, he got to his step. He did step one. He knew he was powerless. He couldn't do this anymore. And now he's ready. He's looking at step two where he's looking to believe that there is a power there that can get him out of this muck that he's in and this pit. And um, so um, this is getting kind of exciting where he is finding that power. Um, he knows it's there, and now he just has to learn to um, trust it and have faith that it will, will, will help him. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph, these two paragraphs? You'll need to press star one to unmute your phone. It's Monica. Monica, go ahead, please. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so here we are in Bill's story. And what's happening here in these few paragraphs and the ones before this is this is Bill's process that we're reading about here. Bill's process of step two. He's this his his eyes are being opened here and his mind's being opened a little bit and he's thinking back about how 
what his uh, life has been back like as far as religious aspect is concerned. You know, he was raised by his grandfather. And we see here that, you know, his grandfather didn't think much of organized religion. He did believe in something greater, but the organized religion part was not there. And so Bill didn't really have any type of religious upbringing. And so he's in the process here of opening his eyes to where he's been, you know, what kind of what kind of place he's been here. And that his spiritual life has really never been developed. And he's been using liquor all his life for his solution for everything instead of turning to a higher power. And he's realizing here that there is something greater than him. And he's definitely, you know, in step one, he's powerless. He's, he's come to that conclusion that he's powerless. So now step two is a conclusion step. He's, he's coming, he's, he's getting there. He's working his way too. came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So, um, and I guess I will pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula Mashia. Sure, Paula, go ahead. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I want to scoot on to that line. It says, despite contrary indications. Contrary is, when we, we look at that, that means opposite or inconsistent. So here he's saying all these things about God, and, you know, I really thought about it, and it makes perfect sense. Didn't live it. Didn't live it. Didn't live in anything that made perfect sense to him. That's the contrary indications. And then look what he says. I had little doubt. I had little doubt that a mighty person. Now we see Bill's life unfolding. We, we've seen the beginning, and we've seen how what liquor, where his liquor had taken him. I mean, to the bottom of the barrel. But then look what he says. That a mighty purpose and a rhythm underlay all. The beat goes on. How could there be so much uh, precise and immutable law and no intelligence? Then he says, I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation. But that was, and there again, that despite contrary indications, now this is his life again. But that was as far as I had gone. It wasn't enough. Like self-knowledge wasn't enough. This high-fluting idea that, oh, yeah, there's a God somewhere. Yeah, right. Okay. I'm not going to do anything. He says, we all say the will of God, but we don't live the will of God. Because we know clearly what the will of God is. But that line, but that was as far as I had gone. Not enough. Father Bill, thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Who else would like to share on this paragraph or these two paragraphs? Barbara? Barbara, go ahead. Thank you. This is Barbara. I'm a compulsive overreader. Uh, just as Bill was taken back to his experience at Winchester Cathedral, um, what this reading is taking me back to today, and I've shared some of this experience before on this meeting, before OA one of my many attempts to stop the madness of eating and despair and depression and all the feelings that Bill had around alcohol, which I had around food and what it 
what that uh, dependence and addiction did to my life, one of the many attempts that I made was to go to a way to fast, to a retreat. I had a lot of lot of um, religious education and a lot of church experience, but it I just was never relieved of that eating. I'd leave church, say, I'm not going to eat today, and I'd go and eat. I couldn't live without the food and the excessive food. But when I went to the retreat, uh, once again, as I've shared before in this meeting, I fast, drink water for three weeks, be told by the director, the doctor, you can't break this fast. It jeopardizes your health, your life. You can't break it, um, you know, at will. So he would gently break it there, and then I'd go home, and I've shared before, I couldn't face my life, so I'd binge on the way home. But so... I'd go on, regain, get desperate, and I'd go back. I was trying to detox. Hadn't come to OA and gotten the concept of abstinence and food plan and all the rest and detoxing in the rooms, so to speak. But on one of those occasions when I was back yet again in desperate straits, just like Bill, he'd go to the bar again. I'd go to food again. I'd go back. The director who is not a spiritual or religious person that I ever, you know, grasped, said to me, I said, what am I going to do? I'm desperate. He said, maybe you've got to get religion. And when I read here these words of Ebby to Bill, you know, I've got religion, what it calls back is his understanding of religion. And what I needed, and what was read on the previous page, was that I needed that religion, spirituality, whatever one wants to call it, but I needed what is described as that practical program of action combined with it. The practical programs of action, the diets never did it alone. Religion didn't do it alone. I need that wonderful, blessed combination of religion, spirituality, with the practical program of action in the 12 steps in the way of life. Thank God for that. Pass. Thank you, Barbara. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Hi, this is Joan, Grateful Recovering Compulsible Reader. I'm sorry, was that Joan? Yes. Yep, go ahead, Joan. Thank you. Well, one thing that I found in the difference between um, AA's spirituality and religion is um, number one that everyone in the room doesn't have to agree on the same exact definition of all the different aspects of the quote-unquote religion, that we have a personal higher power. And another difference that I found is that after church, uh, where I went, most people just walked out the door and, you know, then went about, their ways and they didn't really connect with each other and they didn't help each other in a personal really important ways that we do in AA so to me that's a totally different religion although yes we do have a higher power and to grasp that concept like Bill did that his friend had is important but the whole rest of it is um, extremely important to me and I'll pass. Thank you, Joan. Anyone else before we... I'm sorry, who is that? 
Pamela, Pamela, go ahead. I'm Pamela, I'm a compulsive overeater. Bill's making the connection between a power greater than himself within himself, and it's like he's his heart is starting. It's he's being sparked. He's being inspired. He, it's coming from within him that he's that he is inspired by this concept of a power outside of him. And my problem was always the lack of the connection. So when he's making the connection here, it reminds me of of the prayer I issued to my higher power a couple of years ago, which was um, sh- just show yourself to me as plain as food. Otherwise, I won't make the connection because food was the only thing that I could connect to. And I, and I remember making that prayer. And then what happened in August of 2011 was one night, it was my first day of abstinence, but um, my daughter came up to me with a bunch of stickers and they were hearts and she started putting them all over me and um, and then she put one on my heart and she said, Mommy, this is God's heart. Put it in your heart and it will be food for you. And so I was basically given God's heart on my heart and I can't think of anything more plain than that. But from that day forward, you know, I've been curious and connected to God's heart, which is at least stuck on my skin, on my heart, basically. <laughs> and I've been internalizing it ever since. But Bill makes the connection. He, he's, you know, you know he, he, he has that enthusiasm. That word enthused comes from in God, you know. And, and, he, and he gets it. He, you know, he gets it. And so my got it was this get the sticker, you know. And... Um, and what does it mean, you know, to 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 have God's heart as food where I don't have to, like, you know, eat my heart out, basically. I can basically just feed on that. And so the connection is so important because I think I was so busy being disconnected that I didn't make the connection that the that the greater than myself part means that there is something within me and we'll get to it later with the deep down, is it's like, is is has to be linked, and I need to feel that connection to the universe, or I'll still reach for the food. So thanks for letting me share. Mm, thank you, Pamela. Anyone else before we move on? Hi, this is Sheila. May I share? Sure, Sheila, go ahead. Hi, this is Sheila from New York. I'm reader. Um I definitely identify with, I always believed in the power greater than myself. I think 20 years ago when I went into my first program, they were working on the second step. And I didn't understand what I was walking into, but I heard the word God, and I thought I could stick around and learn something. The difficult part for, yes, I know that there's a higher power greater than myself, and I have a, a relationship with God. But when it comes to the food, it seems like I put um, God aside, like he's too busy to kind of help me with that. I kind of came up with that thinking, like, there's so much going on in the world. Higher power is not going to look down and help me with this issue. It's all up to me. And and I think that's probably been my biggest Achilles heel. Like, I will turn to the heavy-duty stuff. But for something like this, I haven't turned to him in the way that I probably could have. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Sheila. Um, Robin, why don't you go ahead and read the next couple of paragraphs? Okay, good morning. This is Robin, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. 
With ministers and the world's religions, I parted right there. When they talked of a God personal to me who was love, superhuman strength and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. To Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him, his moral teaching most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult, and the rest I regarded. Well, I see here, you know, a man disillusioned by world religions, um, just as I was, uh, not too closely followed by those who claimed him. And, you know, just like me, um, over the years, Bill is, I, I can really connect with him because he talks about the fact that, um, it, you know, it's kind of a good example of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, um, you know, that black and white thinking of a few people who who um, tell me that they represent a specific religion might be doing things that are bad or naughty, then I'm not going to believe in the religion. I'm not going to believe in God because the religion is God and God's the religion. And, you know, this is where I think, um, this is where I'm challenged to look at religion versus spirituality. And, you know, how do you find a higher power? We all need to find a higher power in order to uh, recover, in order to survive, with our eating addiction, our um, compulsive overeating, our higher power is the only thing that's going to allow us to um, to survive and live in the world. So how do we each find a higher power? And, you know, Bill is challenging me by his story to take a look at how I've done this in the past. How have I put people in place of spirituality? Um, and certainly for all of my life I have seen religion as spirituality and it's not. Religion is something that's made by people. Spirituality is my connection with my higher power. Um, I always remember what I heard once that we're not human beings having spiritual experiences but we're spiritual beings having human experiences and um, you know I bought into the human experience. I was kind of dazzled by, you know, the noise of the world, and my spirit was starving, and that's why I wasn't able to adapt to the world, and this is what Bill's starting to discover, too, um, that religion and spirituality um, can be two different things, and he's starting to look at the fact that he had um, shut the door on God because of his um, disillusionment with religion, and in order for him to survive, he had to dig a little bit deeper and find his own higher power. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Rose. This is Kim. Rose and then Kim. Go ahead, Rose. Thank you, Christy. Um, boy, I, I, on the first paragraph, I, I really want to share because um, <clears throat> with ministers and the world's religions, I parted right there. When they talked of a God personal to me, who was love, superhuman strength and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. And um, when Robin was reading it, the thing that uh, really came back to me from my childhood was that 
this is what actually happened to me, and I became a compulsive overeater at a very young age, so that my my um, my gods, so to speak, my idols, who I idolized daily, were um, the substances, were, were the sugar, the carbohydrates, the cookies, the candies, the cakes. They they were all. Um, what, where I was seeking love, superhuman strength, and direction, you know, at, at a very young age. And then by the time I, um, I uh, as an active compulsive overeater through all those years up until uh, last year, um, the idols continued in the connection um, and not allowing to feel or experience or know or come to believe, come to believe that a power greater than myself, uh, I can see the little kid at 10 years old sitting in front of the TV with a <clears throat> bag of whatever and the box of cookies, and and that is, that, that was, you know, not to get um, uh, analytical, but that is where the love was coming from, you know, the, the the ability to connect with another human being, not to mention the inability to even experience or feel a higher power, um, was blocked, blocked, blocked by sugar, by fear, by angers, by not knowing what or how to do anything with, with those aspects of life. And... By the time I graduated college, God literally was put out of my life. Um, whether I was an atheist, uh, 100%, I certainly put aside any um, thought that, that a God, whomever he was or where he was, had no part in my life whatsoever. I was on my own. It was over to me. And um, and the roots were very solid, <clears throat> and they were fed. They were fed every day by uh, compulsive overeating. And it wasn't until I first, when I came to OA, and as it's said so often, I, I look at the big book and almost every other word is, is starting with God this and God that. Um, <clears throat> I almost went out the door not to return as a result of that. Uh, but the power, the power of the um, fellowship and the power of the group and the power of this book and Bill's writing, uh, really, is what was finally given to me last year of coming to believe that a power greater than myself could if I participated in this, could restore me to sanity. And um, my, my own sanity began last year as the result of first putting down the food and then first, right along with it, picking up the steps in order to have this knowledge come into me and not bounce off the way it did year after year when I wasn't abstinent. Thank you. I pass. 
Thank you, Rose. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I dis- disregarded. My goodness, this explains 15 years in LA to me. I mean, how often do we see people sitting in the rooms for years and even decades and saying, well, LA doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, I would get periods of abstinence. I had six years at one point, and then I would pick up. And then I would get some months together, and I would pick up. Now, this LA thing doesn't work. But I was doing the part that seemed convenient and not too difficult, and the rest I disregarded. I mean, after all, these 12 steps are suggested, right? It's only suggestions. But the fact of the matter is, the program of recovery is suggested. But once you decide to do the program of recovery, the first 164 pages, there's actually 67 musts. 67 musts. And I would say, what, you want me to give up all my binge foods? Come on, that seems a little bit extreme. You mean I have to do all the steps? And you want me to do them in order? Can I pick and choose what I do? And you're telling me I have to put the food down first? I mean, that seems a little crazy. That seems a little bit extreme. But let me give a practical example of what a compulsive overeater would understand. If you're going to, if you're going to a, a vending machine and your favorite binge food is in there and it costs $1, what do you think is going to happen if you put in 50 cents? Nothing. What if you put in 70 cents? Are you going to get maybe half the candy bar? No. You can put in 99 cents and nothing's going to happen. And we accept that. We accept that if we put in 99 cents out of a dollar, we're not going to get that binge food. It's not until we put that full dollar in that we're going to get that binge food. And yet when it comes to this 12-step program, when it comes to Overeaters Anonymous, we think, well, I'll put in a 50% effort and I'll get a 50% return. I'm going to put in a 70% effort if I get a 30% return. Well, let me tell you here, for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult, and the rest I disregarded. So for those of you that are struggling out there, for those of you who think that OA doesn't work, for those of you who think, I just don't get it, I want you to think about this sentence. I want you to pray on this sentence. I want you to talk to people about this sentence. Because is the problem that OA doesn't work, this 12 steps don't work, or is the problem that for yourself, you have adopted those parts which seem convenient and not too difficult, and the rest you've disregarded. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on these Can I two paragraphs? Leah. Can I know where the reading I'm sorry, who was that? I want to know where we're up to the reading. I'm sorry. Where the reading is up to. I, I'm not understanding. Did you want to share on these two paragraphs? No, I want to know which page. Oh, which page? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Page 10. We're on page 10, the very last paragraph on page 10, and then the very first paragraph on page 11. Leah, why don't you go ahead? Okay, I'll do that. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to comment on this statement here. When they talked of a God personal to me, who was love, superhuman strength, and direction, I became irritated 
and my mind snaps shut against such a theory. I mean, obviously, we're studying Bill's story here. This is Bill's writing in hindsight. Um, You know, this statement where he becomes irritated and his mind snaps shut against such a theory, uh, it reminds me of this statement that's in the spiritual experience in the back of the book, in the appendix, where it says, there is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is contempt prior to investigation. It's written by Herbert Spencer. Um, You know, Bill is in the quicksand. The disease has beaten him to a pulp. You know, he's cornered. Um, He is absolutely cornered, just like I was cornered. Because when you're in this state, you know, when, he, when you're in the quicksand, when, when you've tried everything, uh, he tried his willpower, he tried his self-knowledge, he tried his intellect, right? He, you know, had intellectual heroes. Um, he tried, you know, all his determination and motivation. I mean, this is a very talented, brilliant man. But the obsession of the mind is more powerful than any of that. So once you're cornered, your choice is narrowed down <laughs> to really uh, two, two doors. You know, door number one, continue to drink yourself to death, which he was very close to doing. And choice number two, how about open your mind a little bit and discard some old ideas? And that was the same you know, reality for me, when this disease had done its job, when it had pummeled me uh, to a bloody pulp uh, and beat the crap out of me, you know, the choice is narrowed down. <laughs> Either, Leah, continue to uh, binge your brains out until you need to be locked up again or until you kill yourself with your own fist. Or how about opening your mind a little bit? You know, how about discarding some old ideas? And that's true for so many of us. You know, our best thinking got us in this situation. Sometimes we make decisions when we're young, maybe because of influences upon us. You know, Bill was speaking about that, the adult influences on him in his life. You know, adults thought the uh, religiosity was a bit hypocritical. They had contempt. You know, those kind of things play a role in our development. Or maybe we come up with our own ideas. But the bottom line is, was that idea working for Bill? Was was him playing his own God? Was it working for him? The fact that he stood on his own two feet, the fact that he ran his own show, the fact that he ruled his own destiny, was that working for him? Absolutely not. You know, he was ready to commit suicide. He couldn't stand the fact that he was drinking, and he couldn't stand the fact when he was not drinking. So the big book comes along and teaches that we have a spiritual malady, a spiritual illness, a spiritual misunderstanding. I mean, all of us understand emotional misunderstandings, you know, or uh, immaturities. Well, what about spiritual immaturity? Bill had a spiritual misunderstanding. He needed another understanding. This program of recovery and the, and the disease beat him into a state of reasonableness. 
Because initially, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. Well, okay, how long do you want to endure the pain? How long do you want to endure the pain? And the program of recovery convinces us through this text that uh, we've got to open our minds. You know, because we need a new mind, a spirit-guided mind. How do you get a spirit-guided mind? You get that through the process of the 12 steps. Personally, I decided to base my life on the assumption that if it's in the big book, it's true as far as I'm concerned. Because a life based on the belief that God exists is far superior to a life without that foundation. That's how God proved himself to me. And that would be true even if God did not exist. Even if God did not exist, because once I realized step one, that, I w- that anything that came from my own personal resources, and Bill realizes that too, any will, any effort, any goals, personal philosophies, or good intentions is not going to solve his alcoholism. His human resources alone are not sufficient. What's going to be sufficient? Here comes step two. Coming to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity, that's going to, in the end, be the solution. But it's going to take some action to get there. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Well, I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, that, that part jumped out at me as well, you know, as an opportunity to laugh at myself and the way, you know, how twisted, how twisted my thinking was in active addiction, you know. I mean, you know, when they talked of a God personal to me who was love, superhuman strength, and direction. You know, love, superhuman strength, and direction. I'll have none of that. Thank you very much. I don't want love. I don't want superhuman strength, and I, want, and I don't want direction. What I want is what, you know, the fast food restaurant drive through can give me. I want what the bakery can pack in a box. You know, I want what, you know, the appetizers through dessert at the restaurant. That's what, that's what I'm about. That is what I'm after. That is what I'm after. And, you know, the answers were never found for me in any of those places. The answers were not found in, for me in any of those places. And I sought the answers to whatever the question was. I didn't care what the question was. You know, I was seeking in you know, the drive through at the fast food restaurant. I mean, you know, it's just, it's appalling how twisted my thinking was as I look back on it, but it made perfect sense to me at the time. It made perfect sense to me at the time. You know, my mind snapped shut pretty much against everything. And my mind snapped shut against everything. I was doing just fine on my own. Thank you very much. And my best thinking had me weighing 340 pounds and completely insane in my head. I could not stop thinking about food. I could not stop seeking food. I could not stop thinking about how I was going to get it. I couldn't stop thinking about how full I was because I had just eaten it, how I was going to hide, from, hide it from you. Um, you know, not the fact that I weighed 300 pounds. I, w- I wasn't quite that delusional um, that, you know, I could hide that from you, but I could certainly hide uh, my eating. You know, the true nature of my addiction, I was hiding that, I thought, really well from everybody. And it got to the point where, you know, my mind, um, you know, thank goodness, thank goodness for my, my own sake that when I walked in here, um, I, all I had to say was okay. 
you know, all I had to say was, okay, you know, it didn't matter whether I believed it or whether I thought it would even work for me. I just knew that what I was doing wasn't working. I knew that what I was doing wasn't working. And, um, and I, I had some sliver of hope, some sliver of hope when I decided to walk into the rooms of OA. And uh, for the second time, you know, for the second time, desperate to do whatever I was told, you know, on September 9th of 2001, and I never looked back. I had no idea what was ahead of me, but I sure knew what was behind me. I absolutely knew what was behind me. And I thought to myself, you know, Christy, just say okay. Just say okay. Instead of, nah, that won't work, or, you know, snap that mind shut at whatever was suggested by people who, in whom the problem had been solved. You know, don't snap that mind shut. Just say, okay. And I did. I said, okay. All right. I'm going to go on blind faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leap. I'm going to jump. I'm going to step forward. I'm going to barely move. Whatever it was, um, I, all I had to say was okay. All I had to say was okay. It wasn't any big revelation or any big thing on my part, but just to say okay. And uh, it completely changed my life. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. I'm just, I just want to share, and I want to scoot right on to that last line. And it's all about Bill still. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. And that's why I stayed where I was. And it said, for myself. See, he, he said, for myself, not for you, not for anyone. He adopted those parts which seemed convenient. See, I liked that. I could go along with Bill here. Yeah, that seems good. I, I, I might do that. You know, when I did the steps, I did the same way. I'm not liking some of those steps. Other ones, ah, not so much. Four, nine, nah, not liking those. Honey, you take them all. And that part, the rest I just regarded. Not too difficult. Always the easier, softer way. It'll never get you where you want to go. And the rest I disregarded. And, you know, we see at the end of the book, we read the spiritual, Herbert Spencer. But before that, he says, we find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. What do you need to bring? Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness. But they're the essentials of recovery. But these are indispensable. And we see on the paragraph just a little bit before, what did he, irritated? And my mind snapped shut. Where's the open-mindedness? Ah, not there, not there. But that part, can't we all come along, adopted the parts which seem convenient? Yeah, this sounds good. This sounds good. Not good enough. You take the whole package, as Kim said. It's not, a do- it's not 95 cents that will go in that machine and get you what you want. You want recovery? Is that what you want? Then you do the work. You do the work. You disregard nothing, the big book says. And you have God by your side. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Hi. Um, go ahead. Sarah from Sarah, go ahead. Um, I, um, I saw the line that says, To Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, and not too closely followed by those who claimed him. I saw that, um, I guess, um, when I was disillusioned by religion, and people 
who were um, in my religion um, who were very um, gossipy and they were very, um, they didn't follow the religion too closely. And um, I thought, well, if that's what religion is, then I don't want to believe in God. And when I walked into my first OA meeting in 2001, I um, I walked, I didn't stay because I didn't believe in God at the time. And I haven't really been going to OA consistently ever since because I've been wrestling with the step two and the concept of God. And now I realize that, like, of course, ironically, now I do believe in God, but on my own terms. But I, um, I don't, um... I don't think that a higher power necessarily has to believe in God, like it says here. It has to be the higher power, the group, group consciousness, and um, and that has its own higher power of its own. And if you if you stay in a way, um, you have to, um, like it says, you have to put, you have to accept all the parts. Don't re- don't dis- don't disregard anything, and you'll get a hundred percent. You can put in a hundred percent. I guess with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs before we move on? Uh, this is Lois. Lois, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, yes, I wanted to comment on the, on the same um, sentence. To, uh, the, uh, the, uh, wait a minute, the rest seemed too difficult. It, you know, the, I, I had always been searching for, for God in my life, you know, throughout all of my addictions. Two of, the, two of them I had, they, 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 they took over me. I had two addictions that lived within me and made all my decisions and controlled my mind, which I never knew. I thought I was controlling my mind. But when I, when I hear this and think about it and it settles into me, uh, you know, I, I feel um, it's kind of like um, going back over my childhood. I liked what Alea said about, you know, spiritual infancy. And, you know, I grew up a Baptist, and we were always searching. I was always searching for God. And I knew, I saw people, I knew, you know, the genuineness of this, their spiritual, uh, religi- religious. I knew what God could do, and I wanted that. I really wanted that. And so I, I didn't know how to do that, you know. But what I, what I realized today is that, you know, I, I had a spiritual disease. And God, you know, I'm, God never turned his back to me. And I know that today. I thought he did then. So when they talked about, you know, like what uh, Bill said, a, a God of human strength and all of that, and I'd say, well, what, what, what about me? Why isn't he, you know, hearing me? And so once again, you know, I, I would turn a deaf ear because I didn't want to be disappointed again. I didn't know what to do. I was, I was between a rock and a hard place. You know, this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And it, 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 takes over your, my, it took over my life. It did take over my life. So in my recovery, I mean, I, I was lucky enough and wonderful enough, and I know that God led me to... Um, over eight is anonymous, and then to the big book, so that I I could read and hear how other people are doing this, which I really um, soak up. To be honest with you, now, I'm never never tired of hearing this. That you know, that every day you know I he, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to hear people sharing you know their um, their search for God. So it's it's all about God, 
and I wasn't ready. So I had I had a lot of growing up to do, and I had to be hurting enough before I could hear what a uh, 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 surrender to God. And I do know, and I know it deep in my bones because I too believe every word in the big book is true. It's true for me. So um, that he he God comes to us through our through our weaknesses. And it's only when I give up and I, my, I've failed the way I was doing it, my weaknesses, my, my human strength fails me, that he can come and pick me up. And I welcome, I'm very grateful for the day that that happened, and I truly every day search for that day's food. You know, So I just wanted to share that, and um, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. And rather than moving on, why don't I just open it up for people to continue sharing on these two paragraphs. Is there anyone else who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Yes, hi. It's Esty. Do you hear me? Sure, Esty. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning, everyone. It's Esty, a compulsive overeater. I'm very grateful for this meeting. And I've heard a lot of strengths this morning, um, especially I'll just... Um, uh, the, the story that really speaks to me is with a vending machine. you got to put in a full dollar. And um, I feel like I'm on the wagon for keeps, like it says in the big book, like continuously again and again, ever remorseful. But um, you know, I, I accumulate days and then have a slip again. And each time I'm baffled and each time I don't know, like, why is it not working for me and it's working for everyone else and I'm doing the tools and I'm doing everything I need to be doing. And um, just listening to everyone talking about the spiritual experience, what, what came to me is I think that when I have the urge to eat, at that split second when I run to the food without picking up a tool and without taking the time to think because I just want to shove the food down my mouth and feel instant um, numbness instead of um, you know, still sitting with the discomfort, at that second, I do not believe that God can help me by working the tools. Um, I don't believe that I can feel that same ease and that same um, good feeling by turning to Him. I just I, I don't want to believe that. So I'm at a place now where I I hope with God's help to be at the turning point of you know just willing to do the action as if I believed, willing to pick up the tools and make the call or if it's reading literature, and be willing to believe that my current state of discomfort will go away and will be replaced by something better. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Esty. We've got time for one more share before we close up. Who else would like to share in these two paragraphs? Monica. Monica, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. When they talked of a God personal to me, who was love, superhuman strength and direction, I became irritated and my mind snaps shut against such a theory. And I was just thinking here, there's probably a lot of people on this line this morning who don't have, a, you know, who, who are, their mind is irritated and becomes shut because a lot of people do not have or haven't been raised or been exposed to a loving God. There's a lot of, you know, God is vengeful, uh, you're a sinner, you're going to go to hell. There's all this stuff that a lot of us have grown up with. And, uh, you know, that's not a really sounds very good or, you know, it's not something that we um, like to hear or, um, you know, it's just, it's irritating. It's very irritating. And here's Ebby's come to him and he's saying, I have religion. Well, um, but then, like Leah said, you know, 
what Bill has thought prior has not worked. His thinking has not done anything for him. It's got him where he is. But he's thinking, he's thinking about all these things, where he's thought about, where he's come from. And, you know, like it, like Leah said, there's two doors, you know. We have two choices here. You either stay in the food and die or try the other door. You know, how has your way been working for you? And all of these people that wrote this book and recovered people are saying there is another way. There is a solution. So hang in there. Abby's going to say something else to him here that's going to really help him with this idea of, of a God, of some, a higher power that can help him. Because right now he's still stuck. He still suck, you know. Uh, love, God, love, somebody personal to me. Uh, I just, you know, I don't understand this. This is not the way I've been raised. Hang in there. Hang in there. There is a way out, and I pass. Thank you, Monica, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Marsha, will you please read a vision for you? Certainly. Good morning, I'm Marcia, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to yourself. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.